Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation changes? When you work with Edward Jones, they focus on what's important to you. You'll work together and use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And they'll partner with you to help your strategy stay on track. Visit edwardjones.com or stop by the office of Todd Nash in Coralville, Jeff Rudolph, or Scott McGill in Iowa City, or or Travis Whitmore in North Liberty. Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing, member SIPC. Welcome back to the Hawkeye Hotspot Podcast here on HawkFanatic.com. I am Rob Howe, joined as always by Scott Docterman from The Athletic. We are recording this around 10.30 a.m. Central Time on Thursday, March the 4th. Um, it's March, Scott, and the madness is ramping up now. Uh, two more games left in the basketball season, regular season, and uh, then away we go. Yeah, exactly. Here we are, you know, just a couple of days away. Who would have thought, I mean, you know, after what happened with football, did you think that we were going to get in this position where really there was only one game that was negatively impacted, the Nebraska game, and then, then this that gets played tonight, and then they moved a couple of, you know, the Michigan game up, Nebraska down, and uh, here we are. So I, I think this is – it's certainly been a success, and the fact that – now the Big Ten is, is allowing 8,000 spectators for the Big Ten tournament games is, is a big step in that direction. And, and then here we are, uh, finally, you know, two more home games. You know, the only thing I lament from this whole thing is just not being able to have Iowa fans here for not only for basketball, but man, look at everything going around Iowa sports-wise. You know, we, we used to hear about it and write about it and tweet about it, about how Iowa always stunk in the Learfield <laughs> standings and their last in the Big Ten or second to last. If you look at every single uh, sport right now, I mean, women's gymnastics winning the Big Ten championship. Uh, indoor track winning it for the first time since 1929. Men's basketball entering March in the top five, you know, or being in the top five in March for the first time since 1956. And, and you know, women's basketball is going to go to the NCAA tournament uh, with a great score, um, not as good of a defense. Let's say that <laughs> wrestling number one, uh, you know, even the sports that will be eliminated at the end of the year are in uh, great shape. So um, what a time to be alive, right? <laughs> yeah. It's uh, I mean, like you say, it's unfortunate that fans can't get out to see these sports. It doesn't sound uh we had Rick Heller last Friday for Baseball Media Day, and he pretty much said no fans for baseball this year, um, which is disappointing. Uh, we uh, got an email this morning that they're uh, that the Hawkeyes are four, ranked fourth in the preseason Big Ten poll, so chance for them to do good things. Um, you know, field this the 
fall sports are now playing too. So there's so much going on now in, in athletics. And, uh, you know, it's, it's great to see the success. It'd be great if they could share it a little bit more. Yeah. You know, they can't even – a lot of these kids, and, and, and Luca Garza talked about this the other day, I don't think fans maybe fully grasp, the, Scott, the sacrifice that these athletes are making. Um, you know, not being able to really have physical contact with their loved ones since the summer. You yeah. know, and, and people are like, ah, they get to play basketball, they get to play football, anybody would want to do that. But you're not in that position. You're not in that position where you're away from your loved ones for that long. And it's impressive. You know, wrestling got, wrestling got shut down for a little while. But women's basketball, men's basketball, and football, any games that have been affected haven't been from Iowa. So that right. means that those guys in those sports are really – some of it's luck, but that's really a commitment to their teammates. Yeah, I mean, uh, some of them were fortunate to have it happen last summer, right. so they didn't have to worry right. about it in the fall and winter. But, but also, um, yeah, it, for the other ones, it is, it, it is a, you know, it shows a lot of commitment. And I agree with you. You know, we hear about it a lot in media, especially when we do some traveling. Oh, that sounds so great. I remember um, this is, and I'm not looking for any sympathy, just like they're not, but it, just to show the example. I want to say it was in 2013, maybe. I uh, I was in uh, the bat. Iowa was in the Battle for Atlantis down in the Bahamas, and it was a great tournament, absolutely fantastic tournament. But I remember waking up on Thanksgiving morning in a hotel room, uh, you know, in in the Bahamas by myself, and I was thinking, man, I really miss my family right now. You know, that they're home on Thanksgiving, getting ready to have turkey or whatever, and I'm away from them. And, and, uh, you know, and I'm not complaining about it, but you know, when people say, Oh, that must be rough to go all those games for free. And I'm like, well, you're taking, you know, I mean, all of us who are in this business, who've done traveling have that guilt and, and regret from what we've done, you know, you know, cause basketball especially is such a grind. And, and then you look at the players here, they are, they're, they're still young people, whether they consider them adults or kids, that's, you know, that's, a, you know, up to interpretation, but, you know, to not be able to hug them after the game. I mean, how many times over the years have, you know, we seen the players gather with their parents, those parents drive or fly and uh, a couple hours to 10 hours just to watch their kids play. And they'd like to, like any parent, you know, you, you have kids, I have kids, you drive. If I was to drive to Minnesota when my kids were in college and, and see them, in some sort of competition, but not be able to give them a hug and, and uh, you know, just embrace them. That, that's tough as a parent and, and it's tough as a kid. So the fact that they've had to deal with this for so long is, uh, you know, they, they deserve some hazard pay, I think. Yeah. And it's, they're doing what they love and it's great that they get a chance to do what they love, but it's a very different experience. Um, we can hop into this, but you know, the big 10 tournament starts next week. Then mm-hmm. the NCAA tournament starts in Indianapolis. Essentially, if Iowa makes a run, they're going to be quarantined in another city, you know, <laughs> and right. granted, um, you know, and, and they're making money for the school and I don't want to go too far down that road, but right. you know, th- this is sacrificed by these guys. And again, they're playing the sport they love and a lot of people would change places with them and all that, but they put a lot of work to get to this point. 
Um, and that's the difference too. Like a lot of times when they go on the road, they can go out, hang out and do things, go out to eat as a team and all that. Now they're pretty much locked in their rooms. And that's what's going to happen in Indianapolis. They're basically in a bubble. Yeah. It's, it's the smart thing, but it's something that needs to be recognized, the commitment that they've done and not just in conversation. I mean, I do think somewhere down the line, you know, maybe some of these players need to be, I don't know, you know, compensated might be too much, but there needs to be some sort of acknowledgement of what they've gone through. And, and yeah, if you're in, if you're Iowa or, or Illinois or whomever, and you stick around, you know, a, after next weekend's big 10 tournament, and then you're there all the way through the final four. I mean, that is an extreme commitment. Um, you know, yes, you can do classes from your hotel room, but you know, the, how many days <laughs> I know I enjoy the hell out of just sometimes just sitting on my couch and doing nothing, maybe messing around too much on my phone for that matter. But, <laughs> but yeah, but by and large, just, you know, they don't, they can't do that. They can't just lounge around, man. And, and of course they're uh, athletes. So they want to get up and move and, you know, I mean, they can't go places really in Indianapolis. It's not like they can say, ah, let's all go to St. Elmo's tonight and, and get and lit. And they're still taking classes. Yeah. They, they still have a commitment to academics that they're doing online while they're down there. Right. So, I mean, I understand, I think this is admirable, and uh, I hope it all pays off and I hope it works. And, and someday, you know, you know, and if they have a, a special season, you know, they might be able to make some serious money off telling their stories and good for them. But this is, a, this is a lot to ask, you know, of young people. And I guess they're living in the moment and, you know, don't let it slip away. I think Scott, if anything that this pandemic has done, it's, it's magnified that this is a business and that major college football and basketball drive the ship for college athletic departments and they were going to play these seasons at, you know, however they could do it. They just, they needed that money. And that's going to, to me, and we can talk about this because I think it's going to be bigger discussion in the off season. Um, I think it's going to, it's going to, it's going to shift some things. And I know you kind of touched on it with the compensation. I don't know how they're going to do it, but I think the athletes are going to get, a bigger part of this pie somehow, some way, I don't know what it's going to be. I, I, you know, the, the, the scholarship guy, yeah, they get a scholarship guy. I had to pay for school that those things, that's not going to hold up anymore. In my opinion, I think there's going to be a shift. Yeah. And I've been studying this issue for a long time. And last summer really did a deep dive into kind of explaining the finances of what football especially means to these athletic departments. And, it's it's crazy. I mean, it, it really is. And I think it, the, the scholarships, I can argue both sides pretty well. I mean, if you're talking about an out-of-state athlete coming to the University of Iowa, uh, the full cost of attendance in a scholarship is that they they're have a, a $40,000 commitment to you each year. That's significant. Yep. That is massive. And if you're talking about, you know, a football player who plays five seasons and goes to school for five seasons or five years – you know, that's 200K on up. Um, you're trained by some of the best trainers in the, in the world. Um, so if you were to, say, have to pay to do it, it would be thousands and thousands of dollars every year. Um, but that said, the school makes money off of you in those two sports, not the other ones, just football and men's basketball. Even wrestling does not measure up. So 
how do you compensate these athletes for what? And, and you know, how do you do it? Um, I don't know that it, there's a way other than a scholarship to pay them for their playing ability. However, public relations wise, I think there's a significant way. Um, I think what they need to do is for royalties, it needs to be a 50-50 split. You know, when it comes to jersey sales, um, when it comes to go Hawks banners, say they make, and I could look it up, but say they make $10 million per year on that, Iowa does, just from jersey sales and whatever. Um, then $5 million needs to go to the athletes. Now, how do you split it? You know, do you, do you chart? Okay, this year there are um, a ton of 57 jerseys for Chauncey Golston or 16 for a few years ago for C.J. Beathard. Do you chart it? That's going to be awfully difficult. Uh, but I do think that, you know, maybe it's a, a sport-by-sport situation. That if um, Shields sells, you know, let's say 78% of the sales are football-related in merchandising, and I was then 78% of those sales go to football players. Um, if it's then after that, 18% or, or 25% or women or men's basketball, then that's the way it goes. Just kind of on and on. Uh, the other thing is when they deal with us and when they have autograph sessions, they should be paid by the hour for that. So if, uh, if you're appearing by, um, you know, kids day practice for football, and for a half an hour or, or for an hour, they're considered going around signing autographs. They should be paid a flat fee, $50 per hour or something like that from the university. Um, so that to me is, is probably the easiest way because how do you, you know, I mean, Tyler Good said, how do you pay him X and the guy Sergeant Y and um, Spencer Petrus and and that that's all very difficult. Or Jordan Bohannon, do you pay him after a good game or a bad game? Yeah. <laughs> you know, Luca Garza, do you get paid extra for being the national player of the year? I don't know. Uh, and then of course, name, image, and likeness that needed to happen ten years ago, and the NCAA has now put itself in a position where it is going to have to accept the the uh, congressional and Supreme Court responsibility as opposed to imposing something that's fair and equitable. Yeah, we can dig deeper into that during the off season. I think that would be a real good discussion um, just on different, you know, there's a lot of nuance to it and a lot of layers from, you know, name, image, likeness, um, you know, scholarship, value, uh, all that stuff. So definitely something we can dig into uh, in the spring when, we, when nothing is going on <laughs> or little is going on around here. Mm -hmm. But uh, let's hop into Hawkeye hoops. Uh, as we said, two more regular season games beginning tonight, eight o'clock game against uh, surging Nebraska <laughs> winners of two in a row. Yeah. Uh, just knocked the tar out of Rutgers the other night that I didn't see that coming. No, um, <laughs> but yeah, Nebraska is a formidable, formidable opponent, Scott. And very long, very athletic, a type of team that can give Iowa a little bit of headache if it's playing well. Now, Iowa's a, a superior team, yeah. superior skill, but, you know, we kind of saw it against Penn State, and that had the Luca Garza effect, just that they were trying to get him as the scoring record. But Iowa can't sleepwalk through this game. Mm -hmm. And that's – if there's been any issue I've seen with this team is – that once it kind of gets full of itself, has some wins or 
gets a high ranking or something like that, it slumps. We've seen it, uh, I, I, unfortunately for them, a few few times this year. So this would be the type of game where they are definitely overlooking them. I mean, in, in, or at least the fans are. I don't know about the players, but if you're the players and you're looking at you say, Nebraska's 3-14. and 14. I think this has the same type of effect of Iowa State from back in in December because Nebraska doesn't have any rivals in the Big Ten per se. Iowa probably fits the bill closest. It's more pronounced in football, but it is kind of one in basketball. And when you have Fred Hoiberg there, I mean, I'm not saying that this would make their season, but it certainly would make their season <laughs> much easier to swallow in the long run. I mean, yeah. they're three, you know, they're three and 14, but Hey, we took out Iowa. And I, I think last year it was on a call-in show. Was, was it last year or the year before? I can't remember that they beat Iowa and, um, I think it was last year. It was, it was last over, year. Yeah, it was over there. Iowa and, shot like four for 30 from three or something that's right. like that. It was just brutal. Yeah. And on a on a uh, college show, you had um, you know some fans that called in and said, hey, I just want to say thanks for beating Iowa. <laughs> you know? And it's kind of getting to that situation with this, uh, with, with this series and this rivalry. I mean, and it makes sense. So I would expect them to put forth – as good of an effort as they ever have, they have confidence because they've won games and they've won decisively. You know, they, they beat Minnesota at home and, and they probably knocked out Richard Patino as head coach by, with that game. Uh, they beat Rutgers, which is probably on its way to the NCAA tournament. I'd still say so. So, Hey, going to Iowa, this is their chance to, to win a, an important game to their fan base and a rivalry game of sorts. And, and so I think Iowa needs to be cognizant of that and, and play at a high level. Uh, you'd think on paper that this is a chance. All right, you're going to see Aaron Euless and, <laughs> and uh, you know, maybe Josh Agudele, you know, just some guys like yeah. that, Chris Murray. Um, but you got to take care of business. And, again, we've seen this Penn State being a great example, as you mentioned, of times when Iowa's sometimes – the, their their uh, energy level isn't as high as it needs to be. Indiana was another one from from about a month ago. Yeah, and they got out quick against Penn State. I think it was like seventeen to six at one point, and then they kind of let down their guard. And that and you can't do that in this yeah. league against any of these teams. And like you said, Nebraska. I'm going to go out on a limb here, Scott, and say yeah. Nebraska hasn't beaten a lot of top five teams during the history of their program. And right. that, so that's an incredible opportunity for it tonight to be able to get a signature win in a, when you're building a program. Yeah, absolutely. Don't, isn't that what you want? I mean, if you're, if you're having a bad year, I mean, remember Fran's first year um, and they had no really outside of a couple of guys, they had really no talent. Um, you know, Matt Gaines was certainly talented and a few others, but to, to beat Purdue in that season finale, which I think they were number six at the time, mm -hmm. and fans streamed onto the floor, I'd still argue that's one of the – maybe one of the ten best wins of his career because it really just kind of – it was a feel-good moment for that program to get a win that mattered against a good team, good players, and it kind of propelled them. You know, and it made the fans kind of – it validated to some extent that this is – they're on the right track. And I think with uh, Fred Hoiberg and all the, the issues that they've had, um, you know, this year, especially with COVID and stuff, I mean, if they could win three straight games and then they play Northwestern on later this weekend, 
they're in a, they're like, hey, we're we're actually getting better here. And and then so I, I think this is a dangerous game. And as as I mentioned, you know, I, I remember that Indiana game when they lost that and they, they had won what five in a row. Um yes. and they were uh they played that second half like they were sleepwalking. And Indiana just kept chopping at them. And it was like, what happened here? And they just, they need to take that approach and they can't be high on themselves because just because they're a top five team, they were pretty humbled a week ago. So if they play hard and they play well, they'll win. They'll win decisively. But I think it's a matter of don't take them lightly either. Yeah. And, you know, two teams in different directions. Iowa's playing for, you know, seeding purposes in both the Big Ten tournament and for the NCAA tournament in Nebraska is playing to have something to build on for next year. So um, we'll see how motivated the Hawkeyes are here because they've – see if they've learned, see if they've yeah. grown from, from what you're talking about, letting up at different times this year. And that's not to take anything away from the opponents, but we're going to play hard. We've seen it in this league night in and night out, no matter who it is. Everybody plays hard for most of the game, I know it's cliche, but it, it, this is a yeah. really tough league, night in and night out. Tough teams, tough mentally, tough physically. And uh, this is the type of game where I think if you're Iowa, you just come in and you want to gain control of this game from the beginning. Don't give Nebraska any oxygen. You know, just kind of get out there early, establish Garza, mm-hmm. open things up for the three-point shooters, and then just do what you do. Don't get caught up, you know, worrying about – you know, they're, they're college kids, Scott. They, they think – they know what's on the line here. Right. And you can't get in your own head. You just got to go out and play. You know, I'm sure what they're thinking of, and, and I, it's totally understandable. They'd love to get Austin Ash in the game. Sure. And have him hit a three-pointer and they can celebrate with him. You know, and I would – I'd want to do the same because, you know, players like that, you just – you want to feel good. And, mm-hmm. uh, but they got to take care of business before that happens. Um, as you mentioned in this league, you know, they're really the only guarantee that I've seen over the last couple of weeks, frankly, is that if Minnesota goes on the road, they're going to get smoked, yeah. <laughs> you know, but, but if they're at home, they're going to beat Iowa and Michigan, you know, so they're, they're not a very good team. And, but Nebraska, I gave them up for dead, but then they win two straight and now they look like they're competitive. You know, they get Teddy Allen quits um, and they play better. You know, and he's a he's quite the scorer. So, um, you know, and, and really, once you get to the place where it, it's kind of like playing, you know, football. It's like, you know, make sure you get that three touchdown lead in the third quarter before you start worrying about getting other guys in the game, working on things. You know that, and that's kind of where I think I am with him. This team, they, you know, make sure you're continuing to play good defense, emphasize the three point shot, do all those things, and do it well. Then, uh, you know, then when you, if there's eight minutes left in the game and you're up to like 20, all right, you know, let Austin Ash have some extended minutes. And save some legs for Sunday. Yes. Because that's going to be, mm-hmm. you know, that's Wisconsin's chance to get right the ship. Wisconsin's mm-hmm. struggling mightily right now. Um, a team that was top 10 coming into the season. Yeah. You know, defending Big Ten champs. And they just, I watched them again the other night. They don't look right. I don't know what it is, but they look. You know, Fran likes to use that word connected. Yes. Wisconsin looks disconnected. And, uh, but again, opportunity to come in on Sunday and beat a top five team and get yourself a little momentum going into the postseason. 
that game is going to be a dogfight yeah. in my eyes. I, I, I do not think that people should take that one for granted because, I mean, Wisconsin's sitting here right now 10-9 and nine in the Big Ten. If you win that game, you have a winning record in the, in the Big Ten. That's really important. And uh, to do it, you know, in, against Iowa, which is a rival um, and certainly, ha- you know, has become even more so, more even over the last handful of years, that I think it's, you know, they would love nothing more than to come to Iowa, beat Iowa in the yep. finale. And then, it, hey, that gives us a spark going into the NCAA tournament. And uh, they've got capable pieces. Do you think Brad Davison's going to say, yeah, I just assume lose over there? <laughs> no, he's going to play hard. He's going to do something that's going to piss people off. And, and uh, good. You know, and, and I think that sets the tone for what's about to happen because if Iowa takes any kind of lax attitude into that game, they'll lose. And you think, I mean, on the rivalry scale, I think that's probably still number two for Iowa fans. I think Illinois has got to be still number one. Mm-hmm. But but for Fran, it still might be number one because of Bo, Ryan, and, and just what he walked into. So they've got to take that one seriously. I'm sure Jordan Bohannon will. And, you know, if there is kind of a, an irony, if you will, is I, I remember in uh, 2010, that was Jason Bohannon's senior day was against Iowa, and, you know, and he crushed them. And then, you know, because it was lick lighter, you know, it was a coach. <laughs> and and uh, vice versa. Now, the, the last Bohannon senior day is against Wisconsin at home. So uh, that's going to be interesting to watch. Yeah, and Iowa's had some struggles on senior day, Scott. Mm-hmm. It's not been, you know, you think sometimes that emotion gets the best of you, and it has at times for Iowa. Um, Purdue last year, right? Yeah, right. I, I know Illinois has been – I know Illinois got him one year. Maybe it was Devin Marble's senior year. Yeah, that last second shot by John Akey, I want to say. God, I, yeah. I remember that. <laughs> but I, I remember that play distinctly because it showed every single problem they had on defense. Yeah that they were supposed to play a certain way. They had, you know, um, there was no trust at the front of the key, open three, good. And uh, yeah, they've had issues. Northwestern's got them before, mm-hmm. um, you know, just, you know, maybe that's seven, eight years ago, but, but still it's, it's all relevant. Um, senior day matters. Now the difference is without a full Carver, without parents on the floor going over, kissing them and, you know, hugging dad and mom and, it's, it's a different attitude, no doubt about it. But still, it, it, it does matter. And, and so I, I do think this is something that, uh, you know, when they start to think about it, you know, you got to get out of that quick. Football's the same way, you know. And then they ended their football season against Wisconsin, too. Yeah. They pulverized them, though. Yeah. But that was kind of – I wasn't there, but I, I think I recall seeing the pictures. They kind of had the players go over and stand next to the stands, right? And the mm-hmm. parents were kind of up behind them. Yeah. I wonder what they'll do, if anything, at Carver for that. That's a great question. I mean, can they, you know? Because the stands are a little higher up. I don't know right. to do that. You know, there's so many things they could do. I don't know if they will. Maybe I'll ask tonight while we're there. But um, it would be nice. I mean, God. I know this, this scourge is still upon us and it, it's easy to get lax right now when it feels like it's, we can see the goal line, but man, it, it's just, these types of moments are, are fleeting and rare. I mean, they're, they're memories and to not have that happen is, I, I feel for, I feel for the parents and I feel for the players. 
Yeah, I definitely think down the road you're going to see, you know, and we talked about this, and we can hop into this a little bit because the retired number mm-hmm. uh, conversation that you and I had either last week or the week before came up this week in terms of Luca Garza having his jersey retired or number retired or whatever the hell it is. Um, you know, the, the, <laughs> the hoops that people jump through for this yeah. stuff. But I think down the road, I think when, when Megan Gustafson had her jersey retired, they brought her back. Yeah. I think eventually Luca and Jordan will be recognized for their accomplishments, their records at a later date when they can come out in front of a full crowd and feel that energy and be celebrated. And that's the right thing to do um, for those guys down the road. You remember when um, Roy got his jersey um, encased? Recognized? (laughs) Yeah. It's like, it's like, we know, (laughs) we know this guy's going to die of cancer. And um, but so, but we're not going to retire his jersey. So they kind of let him do his thing there. Um, and, and there was always that discussion about doing something, you know, to beyond this and that, and Iowa needs to do this. I mean, you know, kind of where that atrium is in the walkway area, you know, when you walk into that feller club room, yeah. you know, but they need to make that an expanded area all the way out to, in my eyes to right near where the Gable statue is mm-hmm. and have, if not a hall of fame, certainly an area where you have that stuff. I mean, when you look, you know, how misguided was Iowa to build that Hall of Fame way out there, um, you know, on the west side of campus? I mean, it's, it's a ghost town. I've been in it several times, but it's to do research or whatever. And it's just what ma- would make sense is to buy the McDonald's house, you know, and then hopefully they get something bigger, better, and then make it there. But, but to have some sort of atrium, indoor atrium with um, – all the basketball type memories wrestling too because wrestling's obviously been a major factor in there that's what they need to do now um i agree a thousand percent about garza i th- I do think he, he does need if you're going to retire jerseys and they have jersey numbers you know then i think you should retire his he's certainly worthy of it but do it i wouldn't even do it like with megan where they did it a year later I would try to do it like 10 years later, you know, make it a reunion, make it a big, big deal or five years later or something, you know, and who knows if he's in the NBA or in Serbia or whatever, (laughs) but you know, if you, if this team goes to the, at least let's say the sweet 16 at minimum, and then you have a reunion 10 years down the road, retire his Jersey, honor the accomplishments. Fans would really dig that. But, but, and then there's also the thought of, well, they didn't get a chance to celebrate him this year. Maybe you do it next year. So yeah. maybe you do both. I don't know. Yeah, that's one of those topics like the Hall of Fame, you know, Baseball Hall of Fame, Football Hall of Fame, you know, who's in, first ballot, all this. Uh, you know, it's that type of conversation with jersey retiring, you yeah. know, retiring jersey numbers. And, you know, there's arguments and discussion and debates to be had on both sides. But I'm with you. I mean, if they're, gonna re- if they're going to retire numbers – you know, Augusta, Megan Gustafson was a no-brainer, and I think Luca's a no-brainer as well, mm-hmm. um, both for, you know, we talk about what these athletes do for athletic departments and what they do. I mean, you think about the attention that mm-hmm. Luca's brought to Iowa, um, and not by himself, and he would never yeah. say pat himself on the back. He, he shares with his teammates. He hates talking about himself, but Iowa's a, 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 um, 
you know, on, on the national landscape now, and he's the guy that they talk about. It's Luca Garza and Iowa mm-hmm. are playing on ESPN tonight, not literally tonight, but when they advertise games, it's his photo. It's him, you know, the, the commentators talk about him. Um, and his accomplishments speak for themselves, you know, and he's going to add to the, he's going to add to this record. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, every time somebody mentions player of the year, Iowa's Luca Garza or Luca Garza of Iowa. Yep. It's, it's like cha-ching, 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 you know, marketing yep. wise for your program and not just in, you know, merchandising, of course, but just recognition and you can't pay for that kind of advertising. And then, you know, look at, I mean, without Megan Gustafson, does Iowa get Caitlin Clark? You know, probably I mean, not. You know, she probably goes to, you know, it's her and uh, Paige uh, Butchers or whatever, and they're in the backcourt together at UConn or something mm-hmm. like that. So, it, it to me, it's just a matter of, um, you know, you, you've got to recognize what they do. And yeah, you know, I the Fab Five that got it, or the Fabulous Five in the fifties that that got their jerseys. I understand it. I almost. I think that was at that time was kind of a dumb move, <laughs> frankly, you know, I mean, none of them were all Americans or at least first team all Americans. So it's kind of like, wow, you just blew a whole series of numbers. And of course, Patrick McCaffrey gets to wear 22. I, I either think, okay, it's 55 or you just say, we're only going to retire one and that's 40. Um, and, uh, but I think 55 is the one to do. Yeah, and I still, we talked about it a few weeks ago, put, you know, even if you're not retiring numbers, put more jerseys up in the rafters at Carver Hawkeye Arena. Put wrestlers up there. Yeah. National championship wrestlers, all Americans, mm-hmm. whatever, you know, how, whatever, honor people. You talked about it a few weeks ago or last week, you know, B.J. Armstrong Day, have yeah. him come back, celebrate it. Yeah. Um, you know, all different guys like that, you know, do things instead of having like, you know, Students compete like having a tricycle race <laughs> at halftime, you know, mm-hmm. to excite the fans. Bring back your history, mm-hmm. celebrate your history during the season. And uh, I, I'm, I'm with you. You talked about it a few weeks ago. Iowa doesn't do enough of that. They're terrible at it, you know, and maybe they'll get better at some point. But you look at, you know, it, it's been 51 years now, but you know, last year, the 50th anniversary of the 1970 team, 14-0 in the Big Ten. Downtown Freddie Brown and John yep. Johnson, uh, both longtime NBA players. I mean, Freddie Brown is revered in Seattle for the Supersonics, but he doesn't get brought up nearly enough as one of the great players in Iowa basketball history. Um, now, I know sometimes they prefer to do that in football season, but I think it gets completely overshadowed because football overshadows everything. Yep. It doesn't matter what it is. It just does. So I think in his case, basketball, halftime, you know, let's bring these guys back. Let's have their, their jersey to the rafters, as you mentioned. Wrestling is the same way. Iowa just needs to kind of pound on his chest a little bit. And that's what the fans want. They, they want to celebrate. They want to brag. They want to talk, uh, you know, some smack or whatever. So I, I think that's something to do. And, and if you get more fans on their feet, you got to do it. And I, I do think that there's a lot that needs to be desired about Carver, about Carver's atmosphere, you know, and I'm not talking about this year because that's irrelevant. But, right. you know, things like, you know, we sit down in the media section near the floor, and I'm not going to complain about us. But if you, we have older play, older people, older former players who sit in our area. 
do they really want to walk, you know, up 70 steps to go to the bathroom or to get something to eat? You know, they need to bring ushers, you know, have ushers walk those steps selling soda and popcorn or whatever Mm -hmm. to those people. They need to have more accessibility to that. Uh, And that's probably, that's going to take money, of course. And that's something nobody has right now, but that's the problem I see is you got to be more fan friendly and fan friendly means touch it on their emotions and, and what they got to do after drinking a a big thing of pop. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it's, I mean, the age of social media and promotion and celebrating and, you know, it it feeds off itself. You know, you, you have a, you know, um, a downtown Freddie Brown day or something like that. And then people share it on social media and, you know, even people from other schools see it and the big 10 shares it. And it's just that it's the age that we're in. And it's, I don't see any downside to it. I just, it seems like, you know, as Fran said about retiring Luca's number, a no brainer. I just, I think you have to jump, jump in and embrace that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, football, will see the 10th member of the, uh, of the, the Kinnick wall of honor this year in Andre Tippett, uh, who's, who was uh, selected for the uh, college football hall of fame. And, you know, that's one that football needs to lean into and they probably will because they'd actually do a better job of that. The mm-hmm. program, they'll probably bring him back as a captain for a game. And uh, then he'll, you know, address the crowd at halftime or whatever. And that that's an, a no brainer. Football is much better than that basketball. And I don't think it's a Fran thing. I just think it's an everybody thing. So, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, can't, so, you know, and ba- women's basketball is the same way. They have some great history and some great players and, um, but just lean into it. It's easy. It's really easy to me to make themselves special and fun and unique. Uh, like you said, uh, nothing to be done this year. Um, yeah. No fans in the stands. But uh, looking ahead here, Scott, I kind of look down the Big Ten standings here. A uh, little bit of a shocker in Ann Arbor the other night. Uh, mm-hmm. Illinois yeah. mi- minus Io just taking it, taking Michigan behind the woodshed. And, and that one I did not see coming, but this league has just been nuts this year. But uh, as we stand now, Michigan at 13-2, and going to win the league, uh, most likely. Uh, Illinois at 15-4. and four. Uh, Michigan has two games this week with Michigan State, which should be interesting. Uh, Michigan, A surging Michigan State team. Surprise, yeah. surprise, Izzo has his team mm-hmm. going in the right direction again. Um, Iowa and Purdue are tied for third at 12 and six and Ohio state is right there at 12 and seven. Uh, those are the teams. You got three teams jockeying for two spots in the double buy. So that's important. That's, that's the, that's the number one carrot on the stick right now for Iowa. Looking at those standings, you know, if you win these two games, you get a double buy. Exactly. It's there for the taking. And I don't know what the uh, – if they tie with Ohio State, I don't know who has the tiebreaker. I'd have to look that up, you know, because since they split. But you win two, it's you. You yep. know, you're a, you're a third seed, um, you know, and you should and you should win at least tonight. No, still no problem. No matter what – how Nebraska is playing, you still should win that game. Um, but um, – And Ohio State um, has one more game. Right. Illinois. Illinois mm-hmm. Saturday. So – Man, the Iowa fans will have to root for Illinois. 
<laughs> oh damn! Get your orange. Get your orange out. <laughs> oh my god! I just spit up all over the place on that one. I hadn't done that for a while. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That that's going to be hard. I mean, and Purdue finishes up. I think Purdue only plays nineteen games, right? That's correct. Yeah, yes, they yeah, they play got, Indiana. Yeah, Indiana at, at home rivalry game, but Indiana looks like it's a dumpster fire right now. That's going to be a game to me for Indiana as to, you know, I don't think it'll, it's, it's like, you know, Miller stays or goes Archie Miller, but I, I think it's a matter of it could confirm a decision one way or the other. If they come out and play hard and win or look good and barely lose or something like that, maybe that gives the athletic department a little bit of pause, but if they go out and they get shelled at Purdue, then you know then that make that confirms that decision one way or the other um ohio state and illinois <laughs> that could be a very entertaining game but Should be. I, you know if things shape up the way let's say chalk that's the easiest way to go iowa would end up being the three seed illinois two and michigan one so that saturday game with fans now could be iowa illinois in the semifinals and in Indianapolis. Everybody wants that. The Big Ten wants that. Both fan bases want that. Um, CBS wants that. Yep. There's no, again, no downside to that. Ohio State, Michigan, and Iowa, Illinois. <laughs> Hell yeah. Sign me up. Sign me up today. You know, I'll take it. And, uh, you know, fans should try to get in line and there'd be fist fights as to who to get in, who would get in, right? Yeah, for folks that, uh, that were, you know, lamenting not being able to get into Hart Carver Hawkeye Arena this year. Now's your chance to see this team in person. Yes. You have an opportunity here. Yeah, and I, I think it's what season ticket holders get first opportunities yep. and stuff. And now I'm sure several will say, eh, I don't want to go there or uh, logistically it doesn't work out with work yeah. and have work plan ahead or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, hey, if you can get in, get in. I mean, this is this is special and unique. You know, you brace it while it's here. So, you know, getting – and uh, Garza, to no be surprised, is now a Naismith Trophy semifinalist. Um, I yeah, would that's not surprising. That I just would, come across? Yeah, I would, I would assume that the next email we get about that will be Naismith, <laughs> Naismith Trophy finalist. <laughs> then winner. Yeah, and then winner. <laughs> you know, I vote for those. So, and Wooden as well. So, it's kind of funny. No, yeah, man, if you could get Iowa-Illinois in the semifinals or shoot, let's say Iowa loses a tiebreaker and ends up playing Iowa-Illinois for the final, although I don't even know if you'd want that or not. But the, uh, Joining uh, Luca as semifinalist, Scott, Jared Butler from yeah. Baylor. They, mm -hmm. They've got him from Butler on the press release. <laughs> Jared Butler from <laughs> Butler? <laughs> yeah. uh, Cade Cunningham. Outstanding freshman, yes. probably the number one pick in the draft. Right. Hunter Dickinson, who Hawkeye fans will remember uh, uh -huh. from last week. Io DeSumo, Luca, mm -hmm. Quentin Grimes from Houston, Herbert Jones from Alabama, Bama, Corey Kispert, or another guy who Iowa saw Gonzaga, this year, Evan yeah. Mobley, another mm -hmm. fabulous freshman, uh, and Drew Timmy from Gonzaga. Yeah. yeah, we saw a lot of the Gonzaga guys. little surprise, Sudge is not on there, but they went with the experience. At the, I mean, you have – a bunch of guys from Gonzaga you can pick from. So, yeah, I just did an All American ballot, and uh, I had I put Suggs over Timmy. It was kind of close, but I think I had everybody else on that list. Was that uh, the basketball coaches or the 
uh, U.S. Small Ro- yeah, I, yeah, I had I filled that out the other day too, and I can't remember. What yeah. I voted for. Right. Sometimes, for those early ballots like that, I, I just I kind of go with uh, I do kind of I don't I won't say Homer, but you know I do add names. Let's say. Yep. Um, you know, I added Joe Wieskamp, for instance. I don't think he get he'll get there, but I think hey, you know, the guy got to vote for an All American. Yeah, I think I had him on because we do the regional, right? Which yeah. is like regional and national, Kansas, yeah. Missouri, Oklahoma is on our region. The Dakotas, right? That makes no sense, by the way. Oklahoma, yeah, it does. It's just Missouri. wacky. I'm gonna, I am gonna make a, I'm gonna make a cl- uh, claim, or I'm gonna try to steer them to say, can you slice Iowa, the University of Iowa, off that one and push them with the Illinois and Wisconsin yeah. region? Because it's understandable when, especially before all the Big Twelve, you know, realignment, you know, for Iowa State to be there for the Valley teams, Drake and you and I to be there, but it's not when Iowa's not in the same league as Missouri, who's in the SEC, the Oklahoma schools and Kansas schools, the Dakotas, they just, there's only Nebraska is the only one that they really compete against. And yeah, when I got that thing the other day, and then I had to go and Google the SEC to see yeah. what Missouri guys were doing, the big 12. I mean, I have an idea. I watched basketball right. and I know, but I want to look at numbers. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I'm looking at this, you know, whatever the Dakotas are in and, you know, different well, leagues of Iowa state and uh, Creighton. Creighton in the Big East. The, Ameri- <laughs> the American with Wichita state. Yeah. I know. And I'm like, man, this used to be so easy at the big 12. Yep. You had uh, whatever the summit or whatever they were in. And he had um, the, um, you know, Valley. Right. <laughs> and now, now you got the SEC and you've got, you know, five other leagues. And you're like, man, I got to look up all of them practically. So, so if Iowa could get its way out of that, that would be great, but I'm not holding my breath. And frankly, I probably said more than I actually will do. I'll probably forget by the time this podcast is over. I think I voted Jawan Howard coach of the year. Yeah, I, I did too. Yeah. I think that's a, I think that's a good bet, even though they got torn, they got, tuned up the other night from Illinois. There's no shame in losing in this league. So it happens once in a while as we saw as we saw last week. I mean, I you know, kind of looking back a little bit, you know, Iowa getting going through that game after we talked about it. I didn't think it was a great matchup for Iowa to begin with. And then, you know, Jack Dungey getting hurt and yeah. Connor McCaffrey getting hurt. What the how they responded and how they played at Ohio State. I don't think it's hyperbolic to say that that was the best regular season win of the Fran McCaffrey era, because we had seen this situation play out before to where, okay, then they go to Ohio state and lose. All right. They come back and beat Nebraska, but then they lose to Wisconsin. They're about a fifth or sixth seed in the big 10 tournament. They, they punt on the first day. And then all of a sudden they're around a 32 team. And, and next thing you know, you know, seasons are yep. wash. To come to, to sack up, to go to, to to Columbus and win and win decisively and beat them in extraordinary ways told me everything about this team. So uh, I think that's, uh, you know, in Michigan, it got its stinker out of the way too. So everybody's going to get their kind of bad game. Who knows? Maybe Illinois will be with Ohio State. And then, yeah. and then you get into the, the tournament and voila, you know, everybody's – kind of unshackled and ready to go. Looking now, Scott, looks like the number tonight, and uh, this is for entertainment purposes only, <laughs> 16 and a half or 17 points Iowa's favorite against Nebraska. That's a lot of points. 
I don't like that number. Yeah, I would. I don't. I I don't gamble uh, anymore. Well, I play fantasy sports. That's kind of right. my that's my vice when it comes to. Uh, I feel like I have some control over that rather than betting yes. on you know eighteen to twenty two twenty or in Wisconsin's case twenty five year olds. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I I I'll, I'll take a stab at things every now and then, but I don't have any gambling apps on my phone. I I I stay away from that because I don't want to get myself sucked into it. So um, one looks like one fifty three, one fifty three and a half for a total tonight. So I know Nebraska likes to play fast paced. Iowa likes to pass play fast paced. Um, I guess my recommendation would be the over if I was going to play the game. Yeah, I'd bet the over and I would take Nebraska and the points because, again, what I anticipate happening is, first of all, it, it could be closer than that. Oh, yeah. yeah it, just legitimately closer. Secondly, if Iowa has a big lead, um, I, I, I think they would strongly consider emptying the bench. Yeah. You know, and uh, that, that usually means that, you know, because it makes sense. You want to, A – you know, get some rest for your key guys. You'd rather have Garza playing 25 or 26 minutes rather than 32 if you got Wisconsin and then the tournament's coming up. But also, you, you know, if you get a chance, you want Austin Ash to get out there. You want Chris Murray to get some minutes. You want Aaron Euless. You want Tony Perkins and maybe a Gundelay to get some reps, you know, and just trips up and down the court and kind of validate their season. Maybe even a few of the other walk-ons. So I, I, I'm with you. I think it'd be good to get a gun delay in there because you never know. I mean, foul trouble, something like that. You need a big body. Yeah. I mean, chances are he's going to have to play somewhere down the line here before the season's over. Let's say that they get past Illinois and they play Michigan in the in the Big Ten championship game, and Luca Garza has a second foul with eight minutes left in the first half. You don't have Jack Dungey. You don't. You know you're going to put. Uh, Keegan Murray on Dickinson, all f- half. I mean, you know, you already got Wagner you got to deal with, yep. you know. So you may need somebody in there just to eat innings, you know, to, to use a cross-sport analogy there. But And it might just be a gundelay, just be a big body. And yeah. if you foul, oh, who cares? But just get in there and, and don't let them score easy. So I think that's probably, you know, it, it would make sense, even if it's – and, you know, somebody asked, you know, is it possible you – know, on my mailbag this week, is it possible that Garza could play 38 minutes in these games? I'm like, you don't want him to. Yeah. The, but the best way that they can do that to manage his minutes, um, I, I think uh, – I might have mentioned it last week. I think Steve Peichel does it the best. But let's say uh, there's a dead ball with 9.02 left in the first half. Pull Garza until t- you get to the under eight. And then that's, you know, then you only have a Gundelay in there for, you know, a minute, a minute and change, depending on when the next out of bounds is or dead ball. And uh, that to me is the way to go. And I think that's, uh, you know, don't, because otherwise if you do it and he's out for a four minute stretch, you could have some issues, especially against the good teams that you're expected to play over the next month or so. Yeah, no question. Uh, winless in the Big 12, Iowa State plays at Texas Tech tonight. They are a 17-point uh, underdog in that one. Uh, Texas and Oklahoma tonight. Um, is that it in the Big 10? Is it just Iowa tonight? Or we got anything else going on? Well, Oklahoma me, uh, State and Baylor tonight, too. 
Oklahoma oh, Michigan State. State, Michigan round one is tonight. Okay, good. <laughs> um, I won't be able to – I don't think I'll watch it from the arena, but, you know, I think that's uh, that's entertaining, um, you know, to see what they do twice. I would anticipate kind of like the game tonight we talked about with Iowa is that I would anticipate a very spirited um, effort by the Spartans. You know, yeah. when you get into rivalry games like that and you get a team like Michigan State that has – a has really good talent. They haven't played like it this year um, in extended stretches. A great Hall of Fame coach in a rivalry game against the best team in the league. You're going to see them play really hard. So uh, if they were to split with Michigan in these two, you know, maybe not tonight, but maybe this weekend, it would not surprise me in the least. And, no. and then that would be their win to get in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, for sure. Scott, let's uh, shift over to football before we get out of here. Um, Pete Thamel from Yahoo Sports is reporting that uh, George Barnett, who I think spent seven years at Miami of Ohio mm -hmm. um, and took, the, took a job with Tulane in December, yeah. um, is going to be Iowa's new offensive line coach. Um, uh, true to form, Kirk goes off uh, – goes off the board a little bit here. You know, we had talked about this before. It's probably going to be somebody that we're not expecting. And this guy certainly is uh, – certainly worked his way up the uh, up the ladder. Started as a high school coach, was a GA at Illinois, and it's just kind of, you know, Grand Valley State, Illinois State. It's just kind of worked his way up the ladder. Um, these are the guys that Kirk likes, guys that have kind of uh, uh, cut their teeth coming up and, and learning along the way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and, you know, his pedigree is, is pretty strong. Um, he, he's fit that, you know, I mean, Grand Valley State, that's Michigan. Illinois State, that's Central Illinois. Miami of Ohio. So he's grown up in this part of the world. Uh, so that really works. Uh, you know, he's and, – and I don't know if you saw the video or not, but from Miami of Ohio, and, and you saw what he's like as an assistant. And, and you've got to – you know, granted, it's a promotional video, but it's still, you know, the, the validating of the experience is really positive. So if he's a good teacher, if he know, understands it, I mean, you know, it's what's interesting is when you look back, Tim Polisek's a great coach, but he never coached offensive line. Right. And uh, talking to him right after he took the Wyoming job, I wrote about it. He was like, well, maybe I just had a lot of confidence in myself that I could do it. But if you're going to coach, you've got to have that. If you know, looking over your shoulder is Brian Ferentz and Kirk Ferentz. And, and Tim was very complimentary of Brian through that whole process. That Brian was like, there's really no other way I know how to tell you to do this, but why don't you just go and take the film and watch it for two hours, then come down. And if you have questions, ask me and we'll go over it together. And he's like, that's how I started to learn how to, to coach the offensive line the way Iowa wants it done. And, uh, you know, I, I looked up, you know, like in 2016, Miami of Ohio ran for 158 yards on a pretty good Iowa defense. You know, I had now Josie Jewell was ejected for targeting with one of the most <laughs> violent hits I've ever seen. <laughs> but still, you know, Anthony Nelson was on that team. Matt Nelson was on that team. Um, they Parker Hesse, I think he got yeah. hurt again. Jaleel Johnson. So they ran for – they did had some good runs in that game, and I think uh, that's probably something that stood out. Yeah, and he's an Illinois native, like you said. He's worked in the footprint. Mm -hmm. So, because we've talked about this before on the podcast, you know, obviously 
his number one responsibility is coaching the offensive line and the guys in the building, but mm-hmm. it's also a recruiting position. And he, you've got, you have to figure he's got contacts, relationships throughout this, you know, where Iowa recruits heavily. And, um, you know, I'm sure he's crossed paths with mm-hmm. Iowa and the recruiting trail because we know that there's, you know, as much as it annoys people that, you know, Iowa, uh, and offers guys that have Mac offers, you know, yeah. and, but, you know, history will tell you that the guys they get that maybe were headed to the Mac are pretty damn yeah. good. So mm-hmm. um, I'm sure during the, the interview process, um, and I'll be interested to hear from him and, and from Kirk just in terms of what type of recruiter he is, that, that video you spoke to that people can find on Twitter. Um, it seems like people, he's, a, he's a player's coach. And that plays in recruiting, too. Yeah, it does. And, and that's helpful now. I mean, after what Iowa's gone through as mm-hmm. a program, to have somebody who really relates well with, with athletes, and, and that's really important. But, you know, recruiting footprint, you know, where is he most comfortable? Is it the Ohio, Illinois area? I mean, you can't recruit that area enough. I mean, yeah. and if he can grab two to three guys per year, that's – you know, Paul Sec was – was really doing a nice job. I mean, he really helped get David Koff and, and I talked to my Slinsky yesterday and, and uh, same thing there. I mean, he did a nice job. So it, it does, you're going to have to go out and do that, but Iowa kind of recruits itself when it comes to the offensive line, you know, you just say, Hey, do you see the Super Bowl? You see that guy playing right tackle? He's a rookie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he came through here. So did, uh, you know, Brandon Sheriff is going to be the highest paid guard in NFL history. Um, so it is Austin Blythe, who's going to sign a nice deal. You know, he was a seventh round pick for us, but he's still in the NFL. So, you know. Yeah, and I was kind of switched up a little bit. They have like position coaches jumping in with recruits at their position a little bit more where previously it was much more geographical. Yeah. But now they're kind of doubling and sometimes tripling up on guys, you know, whether, you know, it's an in-state guy mm-hmm. where you've got maybe LaFar and Jay Neiman, and then the position coach also jumping in. So, um, yeah, and I think that's probably what we will see from from um, George Barnett as well. Is you know he'll he'll coach he'll he'll recruit his position, but he'll also probably be given, as you said, a, a geographical area. He's he's from Illinois. Um, yeah. With Bielman, Illinois now, I was going to have to kind of maybe put even more resources into that state. Um, and then Ohio, if he's got, you know, relationships in Ohio, he obviously was going to Tulane. So um, that program saw probably an opportunity for it to get into the Midwest for recruiting. So right. that, that would be my, my guess. You know, and I like Tulane's head coach anyway, Willie Fritz. Mm-hmm. I, I saw him coach many, many, many years ago in the MIAA uh, against guys like Jerry Kill and, and, uh, and a Hall of Famer, Mel Churchma. And he was at Central Missouri State. So he's at Tulane now. He really should be at Kansas, I would think, but that's another story. <laughs> the, the, but, you know, if you're, uh, you know, if you're Barnett and you could go to Ohio, maybe it's Northern Ohio, maybe it's Youngstown, maybe it's the smaller towns in that region, you're going to have to continue to do it because, as we talked about before, with Bielema, you know, you, you know that a guy like Sam Laporte is not going to be looked over. He's not just going to be, oh, where'd this guy come from? Yeah. You know, or, you know, the guys from Lena, Illinois, and Northern <laughs> Illinois, or Jennings Dunker, or, um, 
you know, the guy came last year. The, the defensive, Bruce. Yeah, Bruce. Yeah, I'm sorry. Blanked on him. Um, but, you know, and then the suburbs as well. I yeah. mean, you've got to be active there. That is as much – I mean, that, it's closer to get to the suburbs than it is to get to Sioux City. So you've got to be active in that part of the world. And, and so, yeah, I think this is – you know, geographically it looks like a good hire. Um, he does have a pedigree. You know, Miami of Ohio has been successful in the MAC. It's grown as a program. So I think uh, at the surface level, you know, it, it looks like a good hire. Yeah, and I think, you know, Chuck Martin is a good head coach. He was he a good hire for them. And, and I, I, I see parallels between how he – and he's even talked about parallels of how he built his program. He looked at Iowa as kind of a model. So a similar type uh, approach. So that's probably makes it a good fit as well. Yeah, and I <laughs> – Going way back in 2005, I covered the Division II National Championship game in, in Florence, Alabama, <laughs> uh, between Grand Valley State with Chuck Martin and uh, Northwest Missouri State. And it was one on the, like, the last minute of the game. And uh, so I was impressed with Chuck Martin then. And, and at, at a Miami, he's had some growing pains, but I think overall that they're a pretty good program now. And, and uh, you know, the, the fact that the numbers speak to it, as to why he's done such a nice job, or at least uh, why, uh, you know, the, the, the offensive line play has been real critical to their development as a program. And, and so if he fits right in, um, how does, you know, I, I'm anxious to know how he, how much of the Iowa blocking system he mm -hmm. understands and knows that's going to be critical going forward. Um, does he have to unlearn things <laughs> to, to teach right. it the right way? Or is he, pretty fluent in it and it just it's a matter of tweaking some things that'll be that'll be interesting going forward luckily for him he's got an accomplished man in the middle of that line that can help him uh, yeah and i think that goes um overlooked sometimes scott when you have guys that are um experienced on your offensive line can kind of help that learning curve too because he's going to get you know, support from Kirk and Brian, but he's also going to get support from the veteran guys on the offensive line that know how it's done. So um, that will be helpful. Yeah, and that's what Polisek had when he first came in because you had guys like Ike Butker and, and Boone Myers mm -hmm. and James Daniels. I think you talked about James Daniels teaching him, you know, as, as they went along and, and, and how he coached. So that was really helpful. So, yeah, having um, – you know, you know, he doesn't have Mark Kallenberger and that's really unfortunate, but Kyler shot and, yep. and Tyler Linderbaum. And, you know, I think that's going to be really helpful. And, he, and plus he probably already knows most of it anyway. It's just kind of a, you know, cause he does have experience coaching that position group. He played that position group. So that's, that's really big, but you know, I I'm doing a, a post on Sunday about Iowa 100 um, statistics to know about Iowa football from last year and that's a lot it is a lot and i'm like it's 70 i'm like it's 74 now and i'm kind of like to the oh boy here we go stage um but there there have been some highlights that cannot be overlooked over or understated and that is number one uh you know they ran for 4.62 yards per carry last year that's the highest since sean green was there yeah that is outstanding um when you look at points per game 31.8 that's that's also the highest since 2002 so there that offense i mean a lot of people and I, these are the lazy tropes that really drive me crazy is 
people automatically think Iowa sucks on offense and Brian Ferentz is some sort of bad coach. Uh, you know, at times Brian needs to do something different. But those numbers are good numbers. I mean, if you run for 4.6 yards per carry at Iowa, you are a top 10 team, and they surely should have been last year. So if you can average almost 32 points per game, which is second in the Big Ten behind Ohio State, you're doing something right on offense because you're dominating the line of scrimmage and you're scoring touchdowns, and you did it without a dynamic passing game. So um, this guy's going to walk into a pretty good situation, and then the running back uh, coach, whoever that ends up being, is going to have the same thing, at least at the top level, because Tyler Goodson is uh, is one of the two or three best in the Big Ten walking into next year. Yeah, and we'll see when they are able to fill uh, Derek Foster's vacated running back spot. Yeah, for Brian Ferentz, for me, Scott, and I know this is kind of what you were speaking to, you got to avoid the clunkers, man. you got to have a season where you don't have, you know, Northwestern yeah. of the last year or, you know, Wisconsin. Or mm-hmm. those games, Purdue. You have to have yeah. games where – and Purdue last year, I thought the offensive game plan was fine. Uh, you just – you know, the running backs fumbled and that's out of your hands. But you can't have when, – when the division is, is usually as close as it is with teams, you know, within a, a, you know, a game of each other here or there, you can't have uh, just a complete stinker. And it was a weird year for the Big Ten as a whole because you had four teams that kind of separated themselves and the rest were in just in the middle. You know, and nobody was really much better than the other teams when he comes out of the, after the top four. And so you had Northwestern, which beat Iowa, and then nobody else really challenged. Wisconsin wasn't that good, mm-hmm. at, you know, and, and had issues with COVID. And um, so they didn't take care of them, which would have helped Iowa and some sort of three-way tie or something like that. That wasn't going to happen. Um, so, yeah, every year Brian has kind of a stinker, and he needs to he needs to figure that out. And I think that's Michigan. That's, you know, a Michigan in nineteen, yeah. Wisconsin in seventeen. Yeah. I mean, and it's not just you know sometimes it's execution based. I would say that the Penn State game in eighteen was execution. That yes. was quarter. That was. Nate Stanley's worst game. He couldn't hit, you know, I, he couldn't hit the computer screen if he was flicking a booger, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just something like that. But uh, the the Wisconsin game, the the Michigan game, you know, Northwestern last year, you know, you're really going to have your quarterback throw 51 times against that Northwestern defense. Um, he's never experienced it before. They know your offense better than you do. Yep. They, they've played it for 15 straight years. So, I think that was that's where he needs to kind of grow and develop is maybe it's a hubris thing. Maybe it's a self-awareness thing, but if he gets past that, uh, you know, I mean like their point differential across the board was 15.8 points per game. That's, that's extraordinary. I mean, they, uh, they hit, you know, 75% winning percentage, which was this for the seventh time. And, for the last six years, they have 53 wins and only two other Big Ten programs have more. So they've done some good work. It's just, you know, reaching that next level. Yeah, getting the division title. That's yeah. the that's the first step and then getting to the Big Ten championship game and trying to win that. Yeah. Um, but I would expect Wisconsin to bounce back this year mm-hmm. from the, what, you know, what it looked like last year. I think Minnesota, you saw towards the end of the year, starting to, to get it going in the right direction again. Um, who knows with Purdue? You know, David yeah. Bell's back, but they lose a lot. So, um, Illinois is in the rebuild. 
Um, we always forget about we always forget about Northwestern. Yep, and Northwestern, always. and who knows with Nebraska. Yeah, I don't know what to think there. <laughs> I never do. <laughs> Scott, speaking of football, you had a story this week on uh, you uh, foiled the football contracts and uh, both, you know, you know, what through twenty five. Actually, through 27. 27, and, uh, okay. Yeah, they're filled up through 25. All three non-conference games are spoken for, and then, then they have two more games um, in the 26 and 27. Uh, Northern Illinois is in 26, and Ball State is in 27. Um, the Iowa State series, it, you know, the contract's through 2025, but that's not going anywhere unless there's a change in leadership at either school. People are cursing and listening to this right now. I know. They've been doing that on, <laughs> online when I tweeted that. It's like, why can't we do it this way? Well, think of it this way, that Iowa State's going to be a top-10 team next year. So you're playing a top-10 team on the road in non-conference play. Don't think of it as the team you hate to the West. Think of it as – There's nothing to gain. Yeah. Well, that that narrative does not play anymore. No. They're a good program. They are. And – you know, are they going to fall after next year? Probably, maybe a little bit. But, you know, they're still going to be um, – with Matt Campbell there, they're still going to be a formidable opponent every year. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but the interesting – some of the interesting thoughts or factors is, you know, they're paying uh, $14 million over the next five years, you know, two contracts per year. The, uh, the two teams that they competed against – or didn't compete against last year, Northern Iowa and Northern Illinois, they didn't have to pay off. Um, for not playing those games that and so but to ensure that that never there's not even a scenario for that that they've re changed the wording in their contracts it's much more expanded now includes phrases like civil disorder um, epidemic pandemic um, conference in you know travel issues uh, you know all kinds of different things now we're inserted in there because you know you don't want to have now like Northern Iowa, they're both Regents institutions. They're not gonna they're not gonna raise a fuss over it. It's not fair. Northern Illinois probably could have, but they already have a long time relationship with Northern Illinois. And so basically what they did was, and it, this really I think is it's more of a circumstantial than anything, but they pushed back the Northern Illinois game by a year. And what was supposed to be 2025, it's now 2026. And then they're playing. Uh, they're going to pay them an extra one hundred thousand dollars, so one point six million. But they're giving them two hundred thousand up uh, a year early. So, uh, you know, that's that's probably the under the extra consideration for what they might they did maybe for, you know, kind of causing them some significant financial problems sure. because they're not playing them. So it's always fascinating. I FOIA those every so often just to see who are they playing. And uh, if anybody's been added, and and that's been the case. Yeah, for fans that aren't, you know, that don't study these schedules, um, you know, to have them committed to memory. Uh, in 2021, it uh, it opens with Indiana and Iowa State, and then uh, it's yeah. Kent State and Colorado State for the other two games. Yeah, that's right. Are you? I thought I saw something on Twitter, Scott, about you pretend there potentially being movement for the Indiana game. Can you talk about that? Yeah, uh, going into that first weekend, you have uh, four Big Ten matchups. The Big Ten is has uh, kept, and they're all pretty compelling. You know, Ohio State plays at Minnesota. 
they're going to play that on Thursday, uh, which Minnesota likes to play Thursday of Labor Day weekend, in part because the, the state fair is, is in that area. <laughs> so it kind of gets them away from that. But Have you ever been uh, to the Minnesota State Fair? No, I'm not going to go. <laughs> <laughs> if I go, it's by accident. Water cow there? Uh, no, I'm not going to go. That's too, <laughs> I don't. I don't like going to the one in Des Moines just because it's it's too hot and too crowded for me. I've never been, believe it or not. Really? Um, no. And people if, think if, that that's odd, but I'm odd, so it fits in with my persona. On a side tangent about that, I think in some ways that's an Eastern Iowa versus rest rest uh, rest of Iowa thing, because growing up here in Burlington and living here, the state fair isn't. It's kind of a, yeah, it's, it's nice. It's a novelty. But in central Iowa, and I lived in, you know, northern Iowa, it's the biggest freaking thing there is. So, I, you know, anyway, that's that's outside of that first. Oh, the Johnson now. County Fair. Yeah, I enjoy that. I'm looking up now, uh, I'm looking for the entertainment at this year's. Uh, but go ahead with the Indiana. Oh, oh, gotcha. Yeah, while I look this up. Yeah, well, there are three other games that weekend, Iowa, Indiana and Iowa, Michigan State at Northwestern, and Penn State at Wisconsin. And all of them have, you know, significant value probably, you know, from a television standpoint. The Big Ten wants to have a Friday presence that weekend. Iowa, Gary Barta has said ever since they added the Friday games, he'd be willing to do a Friday game other than Black Friday, of course but only on Labor Day weekend. And they haven't been asked and they haven't done it yet. So now they are, uh, they're willing to do it, but they haven't been asked at this point. And he, he actually at referenced at this point. So there is, a, there is a possibility. It could be Iowa and Indiana on that Friday night, or I, my guess is it's either that one or it's Penn State at Wisconsin. And, and Wisconsin has a lot of traditional Friday night openings, so it might mm -hmm. just be there. But either way, um, it's it's going to be under consideration. That'd be interesting. That'd be nice to. I think it'd be. I think Iowa fans would appreciate that having that game on Friday night and then having their whole Labor Day weekend freed up after that. You know, and and I could see Wisconsin and Penn State being a marquee game on Saturday. Right. So maybe it works out better to have Iowa and Indiana on a Friday night. I agree. I think it would. And uh, you know, even though Iowa and Indiana were clearly the better teams of those four last year. Name recognition does matter. From and a national perspective, Wisconsin, Penn State is bigger than Iowa, and Indiana. Exactly. You know, even though, again, you know, those two teams were top 10 caliber, right. top 15 in the final rankings. It's just, yeah, but I agree. It's, it's does college game day, and I, I, I don't know what the other games are then, but would college game day rather come to Iowa City for Indiana, Iowa, or, you know, Camp Randall for Penn State, Wisconsin? Right. Well, that's, that's a no-brainer probably. So I think if you have it on Friday night, boom, that's a, that's a good one. Now, there's the uh, always the discussion about preps, you know. Yeah. But I, I look at it this way. I mean, people were complaining about, about men, Iowa or Big Ten's men's basketball playing on Friday night, and I'm like, eh, you know. They, the ba prep basketball games are played every night of the week. I think if – by the end of this month, if the Big Ten says, okay, it's going to be Iowa, Indiana on Friday night, then that allows schools around the state in the, in the corridor area to say, all right, well, we're going to move to Saturday morning, maybe yeah. Saturday night or Thursday, Thursday night. night. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? You know, it's Labor Day weekend anyway. 
And I agree with you about the Labor Day weekend part of things. It's kind of, it's, it's a weird weekend. We've seen it, it affects before. Iowa's attendance at home. Yeah. I, Indiana's probably different, a different story because it's a Big Ten game. But those non-con games on Saturday afternoons, you know, 11 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, the attendance mm-hmm. just isn't as good. Right. You know, and this year's different because we didn't have a year last year. We didn't have well, a whole Who knows year. what the attendance is going to be like this year yeah. either. Yeah. Uh, so I do think that, yeah, if you have a Big Ten game like that, you're going to want to showcase it. And that, I don't, wouldn't want it to be even Fox at 11 a.m., yeah. even though it might be the, the lead game on Fox. I think you'd want this game at worst time-wise to be late afternoon Saturday. But I, I agree with you. I think Friday night, you know, let's blow it out. Let's make it a, a big deal. I think people would enjoy it. And, and you know, Iowa City West, City High, Liberty, the Cedar Rapids schools, and, and other ones can say, you know what, we're just going to move our game and, and uh, you know, do it that way. All right, Scott, I'm going to give you some of the acts – talent that will be at the Iowa State Fair All this right. summer for you to make your plans. Uh, <laughs> Friday, August 13th is Blake Shelton. Not going. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Uh, he's okay, but I'll say thumbs down. Sunday, August 15th, I think this is one you need to go to. Boys to Men with special guest Belle Biv DeVoe. And now you know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would that go is- to that one. <laughs> Uh, whoever's left of the Beach Boys with special <laughs> guest Hanson. That was August 17th. <laughs> How did they come up with these combinations? This I one's good, too. Wednesday, August 18th is Sticks with special guest Tesla. I would go to that one. <laughs> I know that one. <laughs> I saw Tesla and Motley Crue at the Jones County Fair like uh, when? About five or six years ago. Okay. Yeah, uh, it was probably about, I don't know, probably about six or seven years ago now. But yeah, it was uh, a year or two before we saw him or saw him in Staples Center uh, the night before the, the Rose Bowl. Chris Stapleton, Thursday, August 19th. I like um, that group. Or I like him. I think he's good. But Looks like the headliner on the last Saturday is Keith Urban. Nope. And uh, something on Friday, August 20th called Five Finger Death Punch. You know anything about Five Finger Death Punch? Yeah, I, I don't listen to him, but my son does. Okay. So I'll let him handle that one as long as he doesn't play it in the car while on our way to Milwaukee this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> he can put on his headphones for that one. I'll listen to a podcast. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'm not going to Five Finger Death, death Punch. <laughs> They look like they look like you would think a band called Five Finger Death Punch would look. Yeah, uh, I think my brother likes them too, but uh, you know, I, he's he's got a different flavor than me on some of that. So Scott will be Scott will be attending the Sticks uh, Tesla show on Wednesday, August eighteenth. That's true. I know <laughs> I won't. I'm not going anywhere near that fair. No way. I, I'll just stick to my uh, car radio. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. Well, we've got plenty of time to make plans for the state fair. And uh, But first up, we've got March Madness coming up, Scott, like we've talked about. And uh, tonight, Nebraska and Iowa, Sunday, Wisconsin and Iowa, uh, last two regular season games. And then we'll get into the Big Ten tournaments and we'll be able to We'll be able to hit that next week. Um, are yeah. you going? Are you going to uh, Indy for Big Ten? 
I'm not. Okay. Uh, I'm not, not going for the Big Ten. Uh, I am credentialed for the NCAA tournament, but right now there's kind of a question mark as to how many people can be in person versus virtually. So gotcha. uh, whether I'm doing just Iowa or more than Iowa at the NCAA tournament, um, that's going to be a discussion for my editors. <laughs> I'm going to <laughs> stand on the sidelines because right now it's been you know a question. Let's just put it that way. But yeah, I, I, I'm not going to be there in person, but I'm, I'll, I'm, yeah, I'm going to pay quite a bit of attention as you yeah. will as well. Yep, for sure. And uh, be, um, it would be remiss of us not to mention that Big Ten wrestling is this weekend in State College. Um, Iowa obviously a heavy favorite. Um, how many number ones? Four? Four number ones for Iowa. And, and uh, you know, Spencer Lee, of course, is uh, top seeded. And, I mean, he's well hunting his way to being – you know, maybe a, a consecutive year Hodge winner. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, you got him, you got Jordan Ironman, who's, uh, you know, or Jaden, I'm sorry, Jaden Ironman, um, you know, from Mizzou who, who transferred. Alex Marinelli and Michael Kemmerer, you know, so they're all uh, seated number one. And uh, Penn State's the only one with more than one. And then they also have three number twos, DeSanto, Max Buren, and, and Caleb Young. So, and then they got a couple of threes. So, I mean, interesting, they, Scott, because Iowa hasn't wrestled in a while. I know, yeah. I mean, they get a lot of competition in their own room, but it's just, it's a little bit different when you get out there on the, on the mat with a, you know, an opponent that you're not used to wrestling with, you know, against in the room. But they know most of these guys, and they're accomplished enough that I, I, I think they'll hit the ground running. But it'll be interesting to see if there's, a, if there are, if, if there is any kind of, uh, what do you want? What's the word I'm looking for? Jet lags, uh, just kind of rust. Yeah. I guess, if they're right. rusty at all. I think there could be some slight rust. Um, this tournament, I, I know people have asked about that, uh, you know, whether the pause will impact them. And I think this is the tournament where it might. Mm-hmm. I don't know that the next one would be the case. Uh, you know, because, yeah, as you mentioned, I mean, Spencer Lee versus Austin DeSanto in the room or, or Michael Kemmerer versus the Bull, um, you know, Alex Marinelli. That that competition's at a high level. I mean, that's Olympic that's, caliber. You know, that's somebody better than you're most likely going to be wrestling against Wisconsin or, oh, yeah. or Northwestern, the ones that were, you know, that were canceled. Yeah. The question for me is somebody who may be, uh, you know, a border, you know, maybe they're a two seed and they're borderline two, three, or mm-hmm. a three and they're borderline three, four, five. Um, how does that impact them in a competitive match? That's where you could see it showing up just a little bit. I don't think it'll impact Spencer Lee at all. I mean, I, I mean, no. there's. I'm not sure what would impact him. No, I, I think you could probably say we're going to tie your legs together, and he'd still win most of his. <laughs> One matches. arm behind your back. <laughs> he's, he's unbelievable. <laughs> I'm actually going to write something on him for our site. Um, cool. It's, it's an A1 story on our site, which is you know because he's you know Olympic talent and an Olympic. Uh, opportunities to go along with just complete dominance at the college level. Yep. He is a uh, unique athlete to say the least. And uh, yeah. a special, pe- special one that people should, uh, should check out if they have the opportunity. That's Saturday and Sunday at the Bryce Jordan center in state college, Scott uh, session to here. Two day event begins Saturday at 9.00 AM session two starts Saturday at 6.30 PM. Uh, session three begins Sunday at 11, followed by the finals at three on Sunday. Yeah. Sessions one, two, and four 
will be televised on the Big Ten Network. So extensive, like extensive coverage, more than they normally have. Mm-hmm. So people will be able to check that out on TV. And then Big Ten Plus will have uh, the other action. So yeah. chance for people in Iowa, even though they can't get out to State College, to be able to follow the, uh, follow the championship. Yeah. What a weekend. And, you know, can you imagine if we had to have a, a vote for Iowa athlete of the decade? Yeah. Even the last four or five years, if you're throwing in people like Spencer Lee and Megan Gustafson and Luca Garza, take your pick on the football players. There's so many yeah. good ones, you know, um, a Brandon Sheriff or somebody like that. Um, Jake Adams, remember him in baseball, mm-hmm. clubbing the Big Ten record for home runs? It's, we've been blessed to see some elite level talent at this university for a long time and, and uh, to see the end here in the next couple of weeks for, for, you know, Garza for sure. I don't know what Spencer Lee will do. That's, you know, he, he'll probably I, go I, back for four, don't you think? Yeah. I think, you, you know, wrestling's different, you know, and would you, you know, he's got the opportunity to have last year be kind of a mulligan year. Mm-hmm. So would he want to come back one more year after the Olympics, if he makes it, which, you know, it'll be interesting to see how he competes with Thomas Gilman for that. But yeah. And the good Rumbles. news is that uh, women's basketball has a freshman that will be able to take the baton and run with it here. You know, even though we say goodbye to, uh, to Luca Garza and Jordan Bohannon, yeah. and uh, there's good young talent on the men's basketball team too. So future's bright. You know, it, it's a great time now, but it seems like all of these programs are in a good place. Exactly. You know, even football. Uh, you you look back before the 12 and 0 season, it was kind of a a middling program. You know, Mm -hmm. we, (laughs) Morehouse and I, we kind of made fun of it. And we, we said that at times it smelled like aqua velva. It smelled like (laughs) old man, you know, and, and uh, now, you know, you look over the last six years that only Wisconsin by a couple of games and then Ohio state, of course, has more wins than Iowa. And, and Big Ten play. I mean, it's tied with Penn State over that period and more than Michigan and Michigan State and those other teams. So, I mean, it, it's a healthy spot. The recruiting's at a great level. They're not only recruiting good players, but good fits. So, you know, people who want to talk about Kirk hanging it up, well, why would you want to hang it up if you've got a team like this? I mean, you know, they, they had a really strong team this year. Enjoy it, Hawkeye fans. Yeah. We've certainly seen down times. Enjoy the up times right now because it's a cyclical thing, and, and chances are um, there will be some more down times again in the future. So enjoy these times that are up. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, basketball, not to offer a prediction, I, my guess is they probably end their season in a loss somewhere. Right. But don't worry about it until it happens. Mm-hmm. You know, this, this is – this is the type of season you've waited forever for. Enjoy it while it lasts. It's probably going to end in disappointing fashion. It always does, unless they get to the final Monday and win it and then celebrate like hell. But, but don't go, oh, you know. Now, if it happens, you know, in the first weekend, <laughs> then, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to shirk from <laughs> any of that. But. All right, Scott. Yeah, looking forward to seeing the wrestling this weekend and basketball and, uh, how things play out the rest of this month. And we will be back next Thursday to uh, discuss the big 10 tournament. We'll have uh, the brackets in front of us then and uh, be able to uh, break that down a little bit, go, go over the wrestling, 
uh, hit on some more football. Maybe we'll have a running backs coach by then. Who knows? Um, but yeah, we'll be back uh, next week on the Hawkeye Hotspot podcast to, uh, to talk to you guys again. Thanks for listening, um, as always, and have a great rest of your week and weekend. Say goodbye, Scott. Goodbye, Scott.